Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. We're talking about some things that Jesus said about prayer. So we're talking about Jesus on prayer. This is lesson two. And our text being Matthew's gospel, chapter six, verses five through 13. And here's the first thing that Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount about prayer. So in these verses, we won't go over the verses right here, right now. We'll pick them up in a little bit. But we talked about, number one, that he said, we're not to pray to be seen of men. That in other words, if we do, then we'll get our reward, which is people look and see how, I guess, spiritual we are. Talk about how spiritual we are. Put it, pat us on the back and that sort of thing. Would you rather have the reward that comes from man or from God? So in other words, we don't want to just be public in our display of praise and worship and prayer. And he said, get alone with God in the secret place. Now, don't use vain repetitions either, he said. Vain repetitions, something that you're praying over and over and over and over again. I remember when I was growing up in church and I was taught certain prayers, I was to pray them over and 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 over again. And we're not talking about like every day you're praying certain things over, that's okay, but it's talking about vain repetitions, praying it a hundred times or something like that. You know, that's not, that's not it. It's not what he wants us to do. As a matter of fact, the thing about it is the very prayer that he taught us to pray, which is really basically prayer principles, is what was being used to pray vain vain repetitions over and over and over again and we're not to do that and then we talked about getting alone in a secret place with God just between yourself and him and just honoring him and loving him and just developing intimacy with him prayer is nothing more than talking to him joining forces together with him to accomplish his purposes in the earth yes but it's also just having a dialogue with him a conversation with him you know and we do that by faith and then we talked about when can we pray we can pray anytime praying always with all prayer we're told in, in Luke 18 and verse 1, men ought always to pray. We can pray in the morning. We can pray in the evening. David said he praised the Lord seven times a day. Look in Psalms, in the book of Psalms 92. And it says, it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises unto, the, unto thy name of most high. To show forth your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Isn't that wonderful to hear? Imagine that. To show forth your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness at night. So in other words, when we go to sleep in the evening time and we can just look to him and thank him for his hand of protection to be upon us and our family throughout the course of the night, thank God for his protection. One of the most vulnerable in our lives is during that time that we're asleep, but we can rest our head upon the pillow of his promises knowing, praise God, that his favor is there, his angels are there, his protective hand is there. What we rise up in the morning, we face duties and dangers throughout the course of every day of our lives. And what do we do? We thank him for all that we need, the strength that we need, the ability that we need to face those duties and dangers to overcome and to also be equipped to do what he's called us to do. And so we talked about that. As we continue our study, look at verse 9 of chapter 6. And this is what is called the Lord's Prayer. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. First of all, this is a model prayer. This is not a prayer that we're supposed to be praying in vain repetition. It is a model prayer. He is teaching them how to pray. He's actually responding to the request that they gave him. Teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. If it was a prayer that we prayed over and over and over again, we'd be kind of confused because if you look at Luke's gospel chapter 11, it's somewhat different than here in Matthew. So which is the right way to do it? You know, so remember that he's talking about prayer principles. He's answering their questions. He sees him or they see him getting results. And so as a result, they want to know how can we be that effective in prayer? Can you teach us how to do it? Of course, he talks about prayer then being Number one, it begins with praise. Number two, it ends with praise. And everything in between is a petition. We're asking certain things. So you can say that praise could be the bookends. And in between the bookends, we have our petitions, certain petitions that he said that we can pray. In the book of Psalms 100, notice how we're to approach God. And this is verse four and five. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his course with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. So when we come before him, we come with praise and thanksgiving. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. So what's he teaching them? When you come, come with a thankful heart. When you come, come with thanksgiving and praise to pray. And at the end, you can see the last bookend. It's found in Psalm 118, verse 21, that says, I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me. And you've become my salvation. Jesus himself, when he prayed, said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. So at the end of his prayer, he's thanking him for hearing him. So as we pray, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We praise him for who he is. Our Father who is in heaven, we praise him for who he is. And then at the end of our prayer, we thank him once again. Because we believe he heard us. And we believe we have the petition that we desired of him. So as we break it down, let's look at verse 9. In verse 9, we have the principle of prayer. And here's the first principle. It's the principle of praise. After this manner, pray therefore. Therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So let's start with our Father. It's the principle of praise in verse 9. And quickly we'll go through these, and then we're going to really expound on these individually. And we'll stay on this as long as uh, the Spirit of God would have us to stay on it. In verse 10. We have the principle of petition. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. So that's the prayer petition. We're petitioning him so that his will is accomplished and achieved on the earth as it is in heaven. Well, what does that tell us? Apparently God's will is not being accomplished or achieved on earth as it is in heaven. If it was, then we wouldn't have to pray for it. How many of you know that much of what's taking place in the earth today is not the will of God? And there are a lot of people that have been taught that way. There's nothing you can do about it. It's God's will. Well, that's not true. If God's will was being done on earth as it is in heaven, everybody on earth would be saved today. But not everybody on earth is saved today. It's his ultimate plan and will that every person come to Christ and be saved. That's not being done. There's much that's not being done. That is the will of God on this earth as it is in heaven. We're to pray it to be done. or to position ourselves to Tap into his power so it's done on earth as it is in heaven. Look at the next verse, verse 11. Here we have the prayer 
uh, or, I'm sorry, the principle of provision. These are prayer principles. Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, provision. Thank you for your provision. Provide for us all that we need throughout the course of this day. Remember Jesus said, sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. Look, are your needs met today? Thank him for it. But we need daily provision. We need daily provision in all three realms, spiritually, physically, emotionally. We all need that. Look at the next verse, verse 12. And forgive us our debt. This is the provision of pardon as we forgive our debtors. Something to remember. We've been forgiven such a great debt. It's up to us to forgive anyone and everyone who has wronged us in any way. And I guarantee you, the enemy will set up a lot of situations where you could be very tempted to hold bitterness, anxiety, bitterness, animosity, and unforgiveness in your heart toward people. But you know what? You can't afford it, and neither can I. It's the provision of pardon. Have you been pardoned? And once again, we've been pardoned the billion-dollar debt, and we're to forgive anyone and everyone, no matter what they've done to us. Then we have the next one. This is uh, verse 13. This is part A. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now this is the provision of protection. We all need protected. Remember Paul in Galatians said that we're to be delivered from the evils of this age. Look all around. You know there's evil around every corner. We know that. A lot of evil that's going on every single day of our lives. We need to be protected from that. And so thank God we can be. And we will be. But that's the provision of, of protection. And it ends once again with praise. Look at part B. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. For thine is the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. And the power, it's by the power. And the glory, it's for the glory of God forever. So we see we're praising him because it's all about his kingdom. It's all about his power. It's all about his glory. So it's about the kingdom. It's by the power of God. It's for the glory of God. And so basically this is the prayer that he's teaching them to pray as prayer principles. And so we're going to break it down and, and go over some of these different principles so we can incorporate them into our prayer lives in such a way so as to be effective and efficient in addressing our Heavenly Father the way He wants to be approached and addressed and praying out the things the way He wants us to pray them out. So go back to verse 9 once again. Notice we're going to break it apart. Our Father, three parts, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So number one, we see that He is the Father. Did you know that Jesus spoke of two spiritual fathers when he was here upon the earth? Two spiritual fathers. One is a good one, and the other one is an evil one. Can you guess which one's good? Not too hard, is it? Can you guess which one's evil? Not too difficult, is it? No, our Father God is a good God, and yet the devil is called by Jesus an evil father. Look at John's gospel chapter 8 and let's start right there with regard to him being called a father by Jesus. Now remember Jesus is speaking to Jewish leaders, Pharisees, scribes, people of the Sanhedrin, a very strict religious group, okay? And here's what he says, why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word, you are of your father, the devil. Notice, he is speaking to these religious people, and he's saying, you are of your father, the devil. Do you think he minced words? 
I believe that Jesus knew exactly what he was saying because these people are saying, oh, Abraham's our father. He, oh, no, 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 no. You are of your father, the devil. If Abraham were your father, that he said before this, then you would love me. You would know me. But you've got to have your eyes open. You've got to recognize the fact that you are of your father, the devil. Now notice, and the lusts of your father, you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. He's the progenitor of the lie. He is evil. He's a murderer. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. He is the originator or the progenitor of the lie. In the beginning, he lied to angels, telling them that he could overthrow God. And if they would join him and be a part of his rebellion, then he would probably have a high place for them in his kingdom. He lied to them and convinced, some say one-third of the angels, regardless of how many, a great number of the angels bought the lie and they followed him. And so because of the fact that he was the one that started the whole thing, the rebellion against God. He's called the father of rebellion, the father of the lie. He's the father of death, a murderer. He's the one that brought it all into being, the originator. It all started with him. God didn't make him that way. God made him in a beautiful way. God made him to be the, the uh, worship leader in heaven. You know, it talks about his tabrets, which is percussion. It talks about his chords, stringed instruments. Can you imagine that? And, and breath, the wind. He was the one who worshiped God and all worship went through him to God. But guess what? He wanted to take some of it for himself. He wanted for his own glory and honor. And so he began the rebellion against God. He's the one who did it with a lie. He's a deceiver. And anything and everything he does is a lie. If he's opening his mouth, he's lying. I think there's only one time he probably told the truth. And that's when he said, all this was given to me. But then he went on and lied and said, I'll give it to you. Truly, it all was given to him by Adam, wasn't it? But he lied as far as saying he's going to share it with anybody. Are you kidding me? He is a liar. He is a murderer. He is a deceiver. And that's exactly where he gets his power. And so... As the father of lies, Jesus told these religious people, don't buy into it. Don't believe him. You're listening to the wrong father. Isn't it sad to say that we all had that same father? As you're born into this world, we're born into a family that's evil. That's full of darkness. As a matter of fact, you look at Ephesians chapter 2 and what you find is that we were dead in sin and trespasses. And from the heart, we were called children of wrath even as others. Can you imagine that? We were of that family at one time. Why do we have that fallen nature? You know, when you're not a child of God, you have that fallen nature, and you've been taught by the wrong spirit, the father of lies, how to live your life in rebellion against God. It's so easy to rebel against God. Listen to your flesh. It's in a state of rebellion against God. Our emotional feelings rebel against God. But he was the father of lies. But then there's second, there is the good father. Aren't you glad for the good father? Look at James chapter 1 verse 16. And here James the half brother of our Lord. Is revealing something that Jesus I'm sure revealed to him. 
about where evil comes from, about where enticement comes from, about where trials, tribulations, and, and adversities come from. And in that first chapter, he talked about, look, don't you accuse God of doing anything evil because God cannot be tempted with evil. He tempts no man with evil. And he says, look, don't err, my beloved brethren. They thought God was the problem. They thought God was causing their heartache, their pain, their persecution and affliction and all the things that were going on in their lives. And they were complaining about it because of, you know, being separated probably from their families and being cast out from where they were. But here he says, don't be deceived. Error means don't be in deception. Don't be deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of, who is he the father of? He's the father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And so in this one verse of scripture, he is saying, look, the devil is evil. The devil is bad. And he creates evil things and bad things in people's lives. But the father, God, is good. And every good gift and every perfect gift Every good gift meaning the gift that he gives. Every perfect gift meaning the motive by which or in which he gives it is all good. There is not one variableness or shadow of turning. In other words, there's not even a smidgen of darkness in him. And there's no possibility that he would do anything whatsoever that is evil in a person's life. You know why? He's good. He's a good God. And he has no evil in him. We're talking about absolute goodness. Look in the book of Psalms in Psalm 119 and look at verse 68. Thou art good and doest good. Do you love that? Say it with me. Father, you are good and you do good. Say it one more time. Father, you are good and you do good. Teach me thy statutes. He's only good. And if you're good, only good can come out of you. He's only light. And if you're light, only light can come out of you. Can you see that? There is no evil in him. There is no sin in him. There's no sickness in him. There's no disease in him. There is nothing whatsoever that's a lie in him. Everything is truth. Everything is absolute goodness. God is good. And his mercy is renewed every morning. Then also, look in the book of Philippians chapter 2. He's the father of what? lights. Is he the father of lights? Well, he's the progenitor then of lights, right? He's the creator of all lights, right? The life giver. But look at this, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as what? You're the light that he's the father of. You shine as lights in the world. Remember, he said, let your light so shine among men that he may see, they may see your good works and glorify who? Your father who is in heaven. Amen. He's the father of lights. You and I are the light. Jesus said when he was on the earth, I am the light of the world. But then when he was leaving, he said, now you are the light. We're the light. When people see us, they're to see the light, the light of life, the light of love, the light of mercy. Everything that God is we're to be light of. And they see that light in you. They see the light of his countenance in your eyes. In your, your countenance. In your character. In your speech. In your attitude. You have the light of life. And you thank God every single day because you're walking in it. 
You know what? Your countenance, your attitude is not based on life experiences. It's based on the revelation of God's word. He's the father of light. So you know what? When we pray, we're to say, our father. What a good father he is. Our father. Doesn't that have a wonderful ring to it? Uh, my father. Or you could say heavenly father. You ever hear some people pray and they say, oh God, I don't know what it does to you. It just makes me cringe. It does. Because I think you only see him as God. But when I love to pray to my father, I just say heavenly father. What a wonderful title. The progenitor of life. My father. Hallelujah. Oh, thanks be to God. Number two, which is, which art in heaven. Okay? We go to him as father. You are my father. But now notice which art in heaven. Look at the book of Ephesians chapter 3. We probably pray this all the time, but I want you to see this. The first part of the prayer that uh, Paul the apostle prayed for the church at Ephesus. For this cause, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You realize that some of our families in heaven right now, gathering around the grandstands of heaven, cheering us on? Absolutely. And some of the family of God is on earth. He's the father of us all. You could say it this way, the father and his family. Some are, are with him right there right now, and some are on earth right now. We're left on earth. Father, which art in heaven. So what we're talking about is the fact that we're a part of the family, and heaven speaks of his supreme authority. Remember, he's the king of the kingdom. Kingdom means the king's domain or dominion. So you're in heaven. In heaven, you're above all. In heaven, you see it all. In heaven, you know it all. So our father who is in heaven is the father of everything over the universe. He's all-knowing, all-seeing. Everything is naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You're in heaven. You're in the highest place of supreme authority over all the earth. So think about this. When you go to pray and I go to pray, we're going into the throne to ask a request from someone who sits in the highest seat of all creation. You and I have access to go before his throne and say, Father, which art in heaven, the highest place in the universe, the supreme authority over all the land, I'm calling upon you. You're in heaven over all things. You see all things. You know all things. You're above all things. You're supreme in authority. And I'm coming to speak with you, to pray to you, to petition you, or whatever your need might be. It could be just a love on you and to bless your holy name. So we go to the throne. My father, 
I know you're in heaven. And I know that you sit on the highest seat in all the universe. And if there's anybody I would appeal to in prayer, it's going to be you. I'm not going to pray to anybody else. I'm not going to ask anybody up there in heaven to pray for me. Because you really, when you start talking about having people up there pray for you, you're talking about embarking upon something that God says you don't do. You don't talk to the dead. You don't pray to the dead. You don't invoke any prayer of someone that's dead. Only people that are here on earth. We have one mediator between God and man. His name is Jesus. He's the only one that we appeal to to get to the Father. He said, hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be healed. Fool. So we ask the Father in the name of Jesus because he is the mediator of the new and everlasting covenant. He is the high priest of the covenant. And so he's the only mediator. So we can't ask somebody else up there to pray for us. That's wrong to do. It's unbiblical to do. We want to be biblical about our prayer life. And Jesus said, this is how you pray. You acknowledge him, number one, as your father. Number two, in the high seat of authority. So why would you want to appeal to anyone else? Come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain your mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. And Jesus says, come and pray to your Father in my name. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But thirdly, we appeal to the highest authority that there is in all the universe. Now notice this next one because it's so, so very important to him. And you know what? To be honest with you, I think it's something that's not been as revered as it needs to be in our society today. And we'll see it in just a moment. But notice the last phrase of that verse. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means that you highly revere it. That you highly respect it. That we honor it as being holy. Holy. What he is saying is this. Father, you're my father. You give him birth to me, the father of lights. I know you sit in the highest seat of all the universe. And your name is holy. You know the first commandment is what? No other gods before me. I am the Lord your God. Thou shalt have no other gods. Period. What's the second commandment? No graven images that you bow down to or worship or serve in any way. That's number two. There's only four commandments that deal with our relationship with God. What's the third one? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Which means don't use it in an empty, meaningless way. Don't use it in a frivolous way. And you know what? Not only outside the church, but I believe even inside the church, we've lost that reverence and respect for the name of the Most High. Look in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 49. We're to greatly respect the name, highly esteem the name, show reverence, Consider it holy. This is Mary speaking. After of course. She had the visitation. And she says for he that is mighty. Hath done to me great things. And holy. Holy. Is his name. 
Hallowed means to set, up, set apart, to sanctify, to revere, to honor, to esteem highly, to view as being holy. Do you know the Jewish people, when they even write articles, do not use the name and are afraid to even put G, the O in between the G and D? You read an article written by a Jewish person, you've got G, line, D. It's so holy that they will not even view it. They won't write it. Look in the book of Exodus chapter 20, and there it is in verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that take it, takes his name in vain. What does it do to you when you hear secular people that are out in the world and they use the name Jesus Christ irreverently? What does it do to you? Does it do something on the inside of you? If they use God and use a GD as an expression, what does that do to you? Can you imagine that someone could actually use an expression like that and have no conviction whatsoever? None. But you, it's like scratching your nails on a chalkboard on inside your gut. You just go, oh my goodness. And you realize they can't know God. And if you are a Christian and you can do that, something is seriously wrong. And maybe it starts here behind the pulpit. We need to start teaching people once again to revere the name of the Most High. And not use it flippantly. Not use that name in any way other than a way of honor. That shows esteem, respect, and reverence. Sometimes when things happen, you'll hear people say, Oh, gee, I never do that. I never do that. I never say, Oh, G-O-D. I might say, My goodness. Something like that. But I don't say, Oh, G-O-D, God, using it in that expression. Why? I don't want to be flippant. I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't want to use it in an empty, meaningless way, which is what vain is. Using that name in an empty, meaningless way, he said, well, you will not be guiltless before the Lord. I don't want any part of that, do you? How many times you hear people out there in the world use Jesus Christ in a very irre irreverent way? And what does that do to you? on the inside. Doesn't it rub you the wrong way? The name of the Most High is holy. Y-H-W-H are the letters, the Hebrew letters, four consonants for the name of God. From those letters we get in our English version of it, Yahweh or Jehovah. You could say that Jehovah is the corporate redemptive name of God for the Old Testament, where Jesus is the corporate redemptive name for God in the New Testament. So when you say Yahweh or Jehovah, you're incorporating, in other words, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in that name. You come over to the New Testament and you say Jesus, Jesus is that corporate redemptive name. You are incorporating in that one name, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's all together in that one name, the wonderful name of Jesus. Okay, so we're not to use the name of God in vain, and we're not to say Jesus Christ, but in a proper reverential setting, a proper way, a reverent way, 
Our Father who art in heaven, you are seated at the highest place in the universe. You owe, you are, we owe you due respect. You are to be revered and esteemed highly in our eyes. And you know what? Your name is holy. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Reverent is your name. We honor your name. And so when we get to the place of secrecy and prayer in our private place, Father, it's so good for me to be able to call you Father because I know I'm a child of light. And I know I have access to your throne only by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He didn't say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, by kingdom. But he didn't say to do that. He was saying that come before the throne and recognize he's your father. Have a father-son relationship, father-daughter relationship, and just realize how much he loves you because a price was paid for you to have that relationship with your father. You are in heaven. I can appeal to this one, to that one, the other one. I know people in high places here upon the earth, but you know what? They don't compare to you. You're in the highest place in all the universe. I'm coming to you. You're seated up there above all things. You see all things. You know all things. And here I am. And there you are. And you know what the first thing I want to say to you? Hallowed be your name. Holy, holy, holy is your name. Why do you think the angels cry, holy, holy? Holy Lord God Almighty, holy is your name. Look in the book of Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and uh, 14. And Moses said, remember Moses saw the burning bush that didn't burn. And a voice came out of the bush and was told, he was told what to do, what God wanted to do with him to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt. Well, finally he's arguing with, Jesus, with, with the Lord and he finally says this, Moses said to God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am that I am. Jehovah means to be. In other words, he is. Not that he was, although he was. And not that he will be, although he will be. But that he is. I am. I'm in the now. I'm the now God. I am that I am. You tell him, I am sent you. He didn't say, say Baal. I am Baal. He didn't say, I'm Beelzebub. He didn't say that uh, Bill sent you, Frank sent you, Joe sent you. Uh, he didn't say that Buddha sent you, Confucius. Just go tell him my name is whatever all these other moons or Krishna or any of those names. He said, I am that I am. Oh, hallelujah. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are the great I am who was and is and evermore shall be. And I come before your throne. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to get raptured right now. Glory be to God. Look at Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2. Hallelujah. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art 
art God. Hallelujah. In other words, he's the one who inhabits eternity. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. And all his name is to be revered and honored. Look at Daniel chapter 7, these verses, verse 9 and then 22, or 13 and then 21 and 22. Look at these verses. You talk about the name. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. Look at verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and came to the ancient of days, and, brought, and they brought him near before me. Look at verses 21 and 22. And I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Notice he is called the Ancient of Days. Now you compare that with Isaiah 43 and verse 13. Yea. Before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work and who shall let it? What is he saying? Before there were ever days, before there was ever time, I am that I am. I am the ancient of days. I have always existed. I've given myself a name and my name is I am. I am the great I am because I always was, I always am, and I always will be. And that's all there is to it. Before there was any calculation of time or days, I existed. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was God. Hallelujah. All things are made by Him, and without anything, without Him was not anything made that was made. He preexisted. Oh, hallelujah. You tell Him, I am sent you. That's what you tell Him, not Buddha. Do you know there's only be one in heaven will take the book and loose the seals thereof? And it's not any of those names that we name as one. Mm, what's his name? You look in the book of Revelation with me and notice this. Remember all those verses that talked about the ancient of days and his, his hair and his eyes and all that? Look at these verses. We'll really kind of nail it down. This is, this is John speaking on the Isle of Patmos. He's talking about his description of who he saw that was there behind him. His head and his hairs were white like wool as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet like a defined brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. Pick it up at chapter 19. And I fell at his feet to worship him. This is John speaking. He said to me, he's talking about the angel. See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant. And thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God hallelujah 
Oh, hallelujah. So who is he? Who is he talking about? Jesus. God manifests in the flesh. Jesus, the ancient of days, manifests in the flesh. Jesus, the great I am, manifested in the flesh. Who said, before Abraham was, I am. Glory be to God. That's his name. Oh, hallelujah. What a name. What a name. Thank you, Lord. What do we conclude just from this first part of that verse? Matthew 6, 9. Our Father, mm, which art in heaven. Wow. Hallowed be your name. He's our Father by birth and adoption. We're a part of his royal family. He's above all things, seated in the highest place in all the universe. His name is to be revered and viewed as holy. Holy is his name. And we have access to go before the throne. We should never use that name in any vain, empty way. We should revere it, respect it, highly regard it, honor it as being holy when it leaves our lips, not flippantly. And in closing, Look at John 16, 23, and 24. Look at what Jesus said. And in that day, you see, this was before that day. The Lord's prayer was before this day. But he was talking about another day. Now I'm telling you prayer principles, and I'm teaching you how to pray. You go to your Father, who is in heaven, and you honor and revere his name. And then you petition him. And then when you get done with your petitions, you thank him for having heard you, knowing you have the petition you desired of him. But now, you see in John 13, he talks about love and talks about the, the commandment to love. For, and also, that's when he had the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, and washed their feet. But then 14, 15, 16, he's talking about prayer and asking and the descent of the Holy Spirit. And he says, in that day, you shall ask me nothing. Let me ask you a question. Why do people think it's okay to ask dead people that are in glory to do things for them? How can they even suggest such a thing? Why would you even think of such a thing when Jesus himself said, in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, double verily, truly, truly, absolutely, I say to you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Oh, if we only understood how the name of Jesus is revered in heaven and under the earth. On earth is a different story. On earth, people misuse it and abuse it in a, and use it in a profane way. Thou shalt not profane the name of the Lord thy God. To use it in any profane way. But he says, my name will give you access to the Father. And whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name. Ask. 
and you shall receive. Nothing wrong with asking. Our petitions are outlined. Nothing wrong with that. But asking, you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Asking, you receive. Asking, you shall receive in my name, because my name now has all authority and all power. And whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. He will give it you. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. And aren't you glad we're living at that time right now? And in that day right now? Praise God. Amen. So, our Father, say it with me, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. 